0: Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, December 1st, and this is your FT News Briefing. The new Omicron variant and a more hawkish-sounding Fed chair spooked investors yesterday, and the world's biggest clothing retailer has new leadership. Plus, the recent stock market turbulence has market watchers talking about fragility.
1: When the calm breaks, it breaks with more ferocity than it would have been a few years ago.
0: We'll talk with Robin Wigglesworth about the recent market swings and whether there's cause for concern. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. U.S. stock markets were rattled yesterday by fears over the Omicron coronavirus variant and comments from Federal Reserve Chair Jay Powell. The S&P 500 finished the day almost 2% lower, Brent crude oil prices slipped nearly 4%. Powell was speaking to U.S. lawmakers and signaled his support for a quicker tapering of the Fed's pandemic bond-buying scheme. He cited the increased risk of higher inflation. But the FT's U.S. economics editor, Colby Smith, says the Fed has to balance competing forces. So with this new variant, what that could mean is more intense supply chain disruptions, more intense bottlenecks as well, and all of those factors are going to contribute perhaps to higher prices. But at the same time, if fears of catching COVID are keeping people from reentering the workforce again, you know that could also mean that on the labor market front, the recovery is even patchier um, than it has been over the past couple months. So it's a really, really difficult position that the Fed is in at the moment, um, but they have a, a dual mandate, meaning price stability and full employment. So if inflation does genuinely get out of control, I don't think the Fed would hesitate to tame it. Colby Smith is the FT's U.S. economics editor. So this market turbulence started last Friday. It was triggered by concerns about the Omicron variant. Stocks and oil prices had their biggest drops in more than a year. Before this, investors had gone a while without this kind of turbulence. The intensity of this plunge after a long lull has people talking about market fragility. Our global finance correspondent Robin Wigglesworth has been writing about this and he joins me now to talk about it. Hey, Robin. Hi, Mark. How are things? Things are good. So, Robin, if I understand this correctly, market jolts are getting less frequent but more intense. You know Why is that?
1: Well, fundamentally, right, the markets have evolved quite dramatically over the past two, three decades, but especially since the financial crisis. Nowadays it's essentially high frequency trading it's algorithms trading with other algorithms at speeds that are unfathomable that has meant that trading is cheaper than ever before but it also means that markets react very quickly to shifts in sentiment and one of the phenomena that has always been with financial markets that when markets are turbulent it's harder to sell and the impact of you selling something is far greater than it would be normal times. That has always been the case. But it seems to be becoming even more pronounced over the past 10 years. And that, along with many other factors, is why people are talking about how the market system is is more fragile than many people really appreciate.
0: Right. And for people who like charts and numbers... There's the VIX index. That's the index that measures expected volatility. And it jumped 10 points on Friday. And it's, you know, it's been up a few times over the past few years.
1: So broadly speaking, the stock market is actually more tranquil than it has been in history. And then it has had spikes, for example, March 2020, and then on Friday. But the spikes are bigger and the, and the troughs are deeper than they have been in the past. So if you look at the volatility of VIX, which is a separate index called VVIX, that has generally been trending up for 20 years.
0: So, Robin, some people point to central banks and say, hey, you know, holding interest rates so low encourages risk-taking, and that leads to volatility. Uh, How does that play into this idea of market fragility that we're talking about?
1: Well, it explains both why volatility has been lower and markets bouncier in the good times, uh, and why when the, the calm breaks, it can break ferociously, but markets snap back pretty quickly. Because fundamentally, what we've seen over the past, let's say 12 years since the financial crisis, is that central banks have acted more aggressively to forestall any potential financial crises. So whenever markets are thrown in a tailspin because of some sort of event, such as a global pandemic, they act so forcefully that the market drop although severe, bounces back very quickly. And that encourages people to take on more risks because they know that central banks have their back. And that all works fine until there is some event that is so big it does cause markets to drop. Because they've kind of gone over their skis so heavily in taking risk, the drop is that much more severe. But again, that old feedback loop kicks in again where people realize, oh, well, central banks have got our backs. Let's just load up on risk again and we start the whole cycle once over again.
0: Right, and this idea that central banks have the markets back only goes so far. Think about right now where central banks all over the world are raising interest rates or they're talking about raising interest rates to try and tackle inflation.
1: Well, this is what people are worried about. Might kill this this uh, this market regime, as people call it. And there are many other facets to it. So there's the the liquidity provision, HFT. There's many investment funds that ratchet up how much you know their stock market exposure automatically based on how volatile things are. And then the central bank put, as people call it. But the danger is that the central bank put might be the most powerful force of them all. And if inflation does accelerate or stay high from here, it might mean that central banks feel their hands are tied when it comes to reacting to a market swoon. And that kind of short circuits the central bank put that people have relied on for 12 years now. And buying the dip, which has been the winning strategy for the past decade, suddenly doesn't work anymore. And people get their... Faces ripped off as the old Wall Street adage goes.
0: So, Robin, how nervous should we actually be? Because last time we spoke, you warned of risk in private markets. Now you're talking about the risk in public markets. (laughs) Are you just trying to be a little scary here? You know, is there any positive upshot that we can take away?
1: Well, it's just congenital to financial journalists, right? We're all worried about missing out on some apocalyptic disaster, so we cover our asses. <laughs> you know, broadly speaking, I'm an optimist. I tend to think that things tend to work out in the long run. Financial markets will be higher in a decade's time. You will probably have made money in both public markets and private markets and so on. But the journey there can be fairly violently discombobulating. And I always worry about the, how various factors can rub off against each other. That if you think of the markets as like a big watch, if one of the cogs kind of breaks, how does that affect all the other cogs? So how can something happen in public markets lead into private markets or vice versa? How can central bank policy affect uh, pro-cyclical risk taking and leverage and so on? And I think there's a lot to watch out for. So, uh, yeah. I, I'm top-level top, top level optimistic, uh, but when I look at the, the guts and bowels of markets, I do get a little bit panicky at times.
0: Robin Wigglesworth is the FT's global finance correspondent. Thanks, Robin.
1: Thanks for having me on again.
0: Shares in the world's biggest clothing retailer were trimmed sharply yesterday. Inditex shares were down more than 6% after the company, which owns clothing chain Zara, named its new chair. It is 37-year-old Marta Ortega. She's the daughter of Inditex founder, Armancio Ortega. The appointment was supposed to end doubts over succession at the company, but investors seem to have been taken by surprise. The younger Ortega has worked in different parts of the business for the past 15 years, starting as a sales associate. Her appointment was part of a broader management reshuffle that includes a new executive chair who will play the leading executive role at the company. And a little bit more company news before we go. Morrisons,
1: make good things happen.
0: British supermarket chain Morrisons is touting its green credentials with an announcement that its cage-free eggs will also be carbon neutral. How? The company plans to feed its egg producers that would be chickens, with insects instead of soy-based chicken feed. It's working with a startup that'll provide mini-insect farms to Morrison egg suppliers. Now, you might be thinking, don't chickens normally eat bugs? Yes, but raising birds indoors means that most of the feed comes from soybeans and grains. Environmentalists have linked soybeans and chicken feed to the destruction of the Amazon rainforest and the loss of biodiversity in Brazil. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Join Capital Group CEO
1: Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. Good credit. If you own or operate a business